0: No. Oh, yeah. I finished these fights. Give yeah, hell, yeah. Top rope nation. Learn to love it. It's the best thing going today Woo-hoo. All right, everybody, it is Monday morning, episode 287 of Top Rope Nation. Ryan Drosty, Kyle Ross, not even 12 hours after AEW Revolution went off the air. It's one of those morning shows. Hopefully, we'll have some of our listeners from across the pond, a big source of Top Rope Nation listeners. Roughly 20% of them, Kyle, are over in the UK. Hey. And rarely do they get to tune in live. Well, the time is working out for them today. It's morning here in the States. I got my Starbucks rather than the booze like we normally have on the show. <laughs> I I got the caffeine. I'm ready to go. How are you doing, sir?
1: I've already plowed two cups of coffee, man. Uh got the work <laughs> done. Yeah, ready to do it in the morning here. Uh quick uh quick turnaround between the pay-per-view and our review. Uh very inter- it seems we're pretty uh unanimous. The we meaning the internet in our uh uh review of this show i guess how it's been received uh so i'm
0: Uh uh-oh did he cut out he's cutting out i'll start talking (laughs) it's all right we've had some internet issues this morning guys if you are joining us here in the live chat let me know what your grade is for the show A through F. I will tell you my grade here in a second, but let's look at the Twitter.com users and how they graded AEW Revolution. This is what we always do on our pay-per-view show. So if you're tuning in here on the SE Scoops YouTube channel for the first time and you've never listened to Top Rope Nation, take a look at this poll. This is what we do after pay-per-views, A through F. And our listeners pretty much universally on the A and B range, we've got... 67% 67% of the users given this show an A. We've got 20% giving it a B, 4% a C. I don't, I don't know about that. And eight, eight point seven percent a D or F. These, these people gotta be trolling. It's got to be the the WWE loyalists here trying to, to downplay the greatness of AEW Revolution. Because, guys, if you didn't see the show, hell of a pay-per-view. I mean, this was, in my opinion, for AEW it was one of their all-time best events top to bottom and they've had some great great shows over the years as we've talked about here on the podcast uh but i mean this is this is this is the best one in a long long time you had two legit match of the year contenders on this show and you know what i always say myself when i'm looking at grading uh the the AEW or the WWE pay-per-view shows is all right so if it's going to be an a show it has to be something that is like a legendary angle or it has to have a match on it that i would rewatch. and this show had definitely two match of the year contenders the main event the iron man match was unbelievable kyle and i when he gets back here we're going to talk about if if this was the greatest iron man match of all time i think there's definitely a case for that maybe it's totally one sided and we all think it is for sure we'll see hit hit me in the chat and let me know what you think um but also you had this texas death match with hangman adam page and john moxley that was just crazy just quite the spectacle bloody as hell incredible spots throughout i mean talk about a Trying to trying to follow that. The TNT title match was in a horrible position. And the crowd was burned out. But th- I mean, this is before the main event. So I also want to talk with Kyle too too when he returns here about the match order because I think it ended up working out fine. They got the crowd back for that main event, but I think they could have tweaked it maybe a little bit and made it even better. But you got you got both of those two matches, which were were great stuff. And then the trios title match was also unbelievable as well. So you're, you're talking about two match of the year contenders, potentially another really, really solid match. And and honestly, the undercard was full of really good matches as well. I thought um, I thought the match with Jack Perry and Christian was pretty much exactly what it needed to be. There was some talk about was this a very, very predictable card going in? Maybe I think there was maybe one match I got wrong in my predictions piece here on SCScoops.com. dot com. But overall, I mean, I think it was. It's pretty much what they need to do, but that's okay. I think pro wrestling, when it's predictable, is not always bad. I mean, we went in thinking Brian Danielson was not going to win the world title, but you know what? When you were in the midst of watching that match, I'll talk about this with Kyle. When you got down to the end there, I mean, I think I'm a pretty smart fan. I've been covering wrestling for a while, (laughs) and you know, I I knew now Brian Danielson isn't winning this match. But man, they had me biting on those, those near falls and the close submissions there at the end, too. And that's when you know professional wrestling is done really, really well. When even, you know, the most tuned-in fans in the fan base, uh, even media members such as us can be biting on those near falls and you get just get totally lost in the match. That's where I was. That's where I know a lot of our listeners were as well. We have a a great Facebook group. You can check it out. It's Top Rope Nation pro wrestling discussion on facebook.com. Join the group. We had a live thread gro- going over there that was really fun throughout the show. A lot of people indulging in adult beverages as they talked about uh, AEW Revolution last night. So I had two poll questions actually. So we did our usual A through F on on what our listeners thought about the show, but then also I asked the listeners what was your match of the night? And I mentioned before there was three really really Solid, solid matches. Uh, but Brian MJF, the sixty minute Ironman match that garnered out of sixty six votes right now, seventy one point two percent of the vote. So I mean, overwhelmingly, that was the match of the night for people. But you know, before that match had happened, that John Moxley Hangman Adam Page match, it was. I mean, it was. It was thinking that I was thinking that was going to be tough to beat. About twenty percent. Of our listeners came in with uh with that being their match of the night. no surprise, even as great as the Iron Man match was a hell of a match, absolutely a hell of a match there, and then nine percent with went with other so yeah, Brian and m j f running away with it. I think I got Kyle back on the line. Is he there? Is this Kyle Ross? Kyle Ross are you calling in to top rope nation testing testing we here <laughs> he's here. He's here. We'll Kyle. see
1: how this goes, buddy. I've had some trouble in the 11 a.m. hour uh, with the internet in the last 48 hours. That's all right, man.
0: I think uh, I held it down solo there for the last few minutes. All right.
1: Yeah. Well, better than Aaron's solo, I'm sure. Uh, I'm fucking hot right now.
0: <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right, Kyle. So we were talking about grades, and I just went through. I'll just oh. give you a, a brief recap. Oh, I'm, so oh,
1: to, I'm, glad, I'm glad I missed that part of the program. Good. but
0: least <laughs> I'm still going to ask you for your grade. Not going uh, to do it. i'm still gonna ask you but i haven't even given my grade yet i don't think maybe i did i can't even remember it's all blur i was talking about all right where the listeners were and i had that poll up here on the on the screen a second ago let me put that up for your own reference here um yeah i mean the listeners were overall a a and b and i talked about how this show had two
1: (laughs) nice to see that nine percent of america nine percent of the uh twitter verse is completely stupid but that's okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's the DF. Right? Uh, delete your Twitter if you gave the show the your Delete other. yourself. But <laughs> yeah, uh, but I said all right. So two matches—they're definitely like match of the year quality contender matches. I would say a third one that was excellent. I said the undercard, undercard outside of that was pretty much exactly what it needed to be. Uh, we'll go through it all. Mm-hmm. But I said I thought you know like Jack Perry and Christian was pretty much. A good match for what they needed to do lots of really good stuff on the show i'll give my grade if i didn't i can't remember i was scrambling a bit but hey i'm at a. am going an a on this because as i said my quality is or my uh, my quality control my own thoughts on how i'm gonna grade a show is it has to have a match i would re-watch or an all-time great angle on it for me to consider giving it an a I didn't think there was anything egregiously bad on the show. And I thought with two match of the year contenders, two matches, I'm sure Dave's going to go five stars on. I got, I got to go with an A. This was an A pay-per-view for me. And I thought timing wise, Kyle, they also did a really good job. You know, uh, we talk a lot about how long these pay-per-views have been over the years for AEW. But dude, I mean, they got it done in sub four hours with an Iron Man match. So for AEW... I think that that's pretty incredible. And oh my God, I lost Kyle again. <laughs> Kyle is gone. He just doesn't want to talk about AEW Revolution. I got Gabe Benson checking in in the chat. Great show. If, you, if you're if you watching right now, let me know your thoughts on the show. Look, my co-host is in and out. So you can get really involved in the show if you'd like right now. And uh, let me know what you think. I, I will be stunned if Kyle doesn't give the show an A or an A minus. We'll see. He can't hear me right now. When he jumps back on, we'll see. But, man, yeah, it's it's an A show for me. Give me your, uh, your grade and your reasoning for it here in the live chat as we go. And let me just say right now, before I go through the, the card proper with you and hopefully have Kyle back on the line to do so, that Top Rope Nation is a weekly podcast since 2016, guys. So I, I see our numbers right now at the live stream. If you are tuning in for the first time, make sure you hit subscribe here. And uh, tune in every single week. We always live cast our shows. And then the podcast version goes up immediately after. We're available wherever podcasts are found. And we have a Patreon page. Patreon.com slash Top Rope Nation. It is the number one way to support what we've been doing here for almost seven years now. Hard to believe. You see the name scrolling across the bottom of the screen. Those are our fantastic patrons. And I want to give a big shout out to Mr. David Jenkinson for joining the Patreon page this past week. Uh, David's brother, Michael, has been a mainstay on the Patreon for a long time. Michael Jenkinson has tuned in, uh, or has joined, I should say, the show on several occasions, both here on the main feed and Top Rope Nation Extra, our Patreon bonus show. And David met him out in Las Vegas last year during Double or Nothing weekend. We had a, 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 a Top Rope Nation meetup during that AEW pay-per-view weekend. That was a lot of fun. David was there, as was Michael. Had a blast. I'm trying to get the guys to commit to going to Las Vegas again for double or nothing. I don't know. I've talked with Justin about it. He's leaning towards no, but maybe you guys can sway him. Uh, I haven't really brought it up too much to Kyle yet. I see he's not back on the line here yet. So we'll see if we can convince them. But I'm in if I can get these guys to go. I want to do a show at the Blue Wire studio again. Uh, I think that that would be a lot of fun. We did it last year. Check out the top rope nation YouTube channel. If you want to see the video of that we were live at the wind casino uh, in the front lobby, tons of fun. So shout out to blue wire. Who's been sponsoring top rope nation for the last what? Three years now. I see Tim Jensen checking in in the chat, the pay-per-view was forking great. Yes, it was Timothy. It's great. Great stuff. All right. I don't know when Kyle's going to jump back on. So I think I'll just start running through the pay-per-view proper. And, you know, I was going to start with the main event. I want to get Kyle's take on that. <laughs> this is going to be pretty dang difficult to do by myself for an hour-long match. So until Kyle gets back, I guess we can uh, we could start off from the top. So they open the show with Chris Jericho... And Ricky Starks. And we've talked a lot about Ricky Starks over the years here on Top Rope Nations, this up and coming baby face and a promotion that needs to have, you know, new baby faces starting to take over. And Ricky Starks got a big win here over Chris Jericho, which I think was a must. He had to go over here. Kyle, are you back?
1: Maybe. I don't know. <laughs>
0: I said I was gonna start with the Iron Man match, but I I, I don't want to do that without you. I definitely want to get your take. Yeah. So let's let's talk about the first two matches. And if your internet doesn't die, then we'll jump to the main event. How about that?
1: Okay. <laughs> um the, we're live, pal. Uh so look, uh, just real quick. Okay. Um, I think the first time I got cut out, I was making the point that um I will still defend my very pessimistic post that I made on Facebook before this show, uh, for anyone who may call that into question, uh, number B, I give the show an A, I think a case can be made. It was the second best AEW pay-per-view of all time. And number C, as we get into the card proper here, yes, Ricky Starks absolutely needed to beat Chris Jericho. And I think the internet, uh, should take a collective victory lap, uh, Because I think this result was a direct byproduct of us all bullying Chris Jericho online and saying he wasn't really putting people (laughs) over. And uh, he did. So there you go. All
0: right. You know what? Our live viewership just went up significantly. So, uh, you know, we're doing decent numbers. But it went up since I was doing the solo, Kyle. So now that you're back, hopefully the people stay tuned in as I'm trying to carry the show solo and scrambling by the seat of my pants here. Yeah. Alright, so you you gave an A. I predicted when you were off here, when your internet died, that you were going to give it an A. I, I was hoping you would give it an A. Alright, and
1: yeah. I'm an objective you know individual. What?
0: I agree with you, and you said on our, our Facebook group about Jericho and Ricky Starks, if Chris Jericho went over here, you were going to be throwing things.
1: I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, Starks was so over if you go back to that MJF match yeah. when he got the title, and it was way too early to give him the title uh, in that situation. But You know, he he felt less over coming into this pay-per-view than he was going into that MGF match, which is a reflection of, I guess, the feud. You know, I I still have my skepticism over Jericho putting over action Andretti. You know, I read The Observer the next week, and it just felt like Dave was repeating verbatim what Jericho told him on the phone. (laughs) To be, yeah. to, to be frank, but hey, Starks won here. Um, I'd l- hopefully he goes on to, um, you know, have a, a, a strong year here in 2023. You know, obviously he didn't get in trouble for accompanying Cody to the Rumble. That's good. The only thing yeah. I didn't like about this match was I didn't like how Guevara still came down to ringside even though the JAS was banned. I thought that was totally unnecessary. Yeah. They were trying to set up a you know, a false or, or a near fall where the crowd would bite that Jericho was going to get the win. But I think there were other ways to like, if you're going to have the step where they're banned from ringside, don't violate it. I mean, I, yeah. I thought in their minds, they're like, Oh, well, he's going to run down and Andretti's going to spear him and that'll look cool. But I, I don't know. I, I thought that was actually unnecessary. You could have done a ref bump. I know that's hard when Aubrey's the ref, but um, I didn't like that part. But yeah, the, the main thing here, Starks needed to win. He did win. Uh, so one for one, yeah. In the booking department, so,
0: yeah. So finish was as Kyle mentioned. Sammy comes out. Action andrade takes him out. Uh, Ricky got hit with a bat by Jericho as the referee was distracted by all everything happening on the outside. Uh, Jericho goes for the Judas effect, which Ricky then blocked by putting his forearm up, and he that was a the, great
1: spot. That was yeah. a great spot blocking the Judas effect. Almost yep. made up for that needless interference.
0: And he won clean with the Rochambeau. So, yeah, that opening match was very, very good. Uh, let's talk about Jungle Boy and Christian quick, and then we'll skip to the main event, because that's going to be on everyone's mind. And then we'll we'll come back and then go through the card in order. But number two out, and I read, I believe this was in Fightful's report, that originally Jungle Boy and Christian was going to open the show. Jericho Starks was going to go second. They swapped it around. Um, I'm not sure that that really mattered too much, but... Yeah, Jungle Boy and Christian go number two here. We got to mention <laughs> Christian's outfit, which was uh, unreal. The sleeveless turtleneck that he was wearing with his with the black wrestling singlet. Amazing, amazing stuff. This Christian, Kyle, you've always been talking about how you like Christian better than Edge. And this, this stylistic choice from Christian puts it over the top, man.
1: Yeah, although he was getting a real sweat in there, I wonder what Justin Joint <laughs> thought about the sweat with the despite even though the turtleneck was sleeveless, man, oof, that thing wasn't letting a lot of heat out for being a sleeveless shirt. You talk about the order being flip flop. <laughs> yeah. I actually think that paid that that worked well. I think because this was a better match than Jericho and Starks, and I think Jericho and Starks would have been hurt coming off this. This was a very very good match uh, between Jungle Boy and
0: yeah. I think he's dying again here with. So, you know, maybe he's back no oh, he's still there okay he started cut but you're good uh yeah you know the only match order thing i thought i said i think when you were off air i was gonna bring this up was that we talked about going in and i think stewart had mentioned it in our group that there was an argument to open with the iron man match and before i saw the iron man match and after the texas death match i was like ooh, man maybe they should have done that but they ended up carrying it fine. I think mm-hmm. they could have done that because, I mean, the, obviously the Texas death match, as we'll get into, was a hell of a spectacle. But it ended up working out fine. So by the time you got to the end, you know, there was the death spot after the Texas death match, the TNT title yeah. match. Yeah. Nobody could have followed that. Uh, but they got him back by the main event. So, yeah, yeah. Jungle Boy Christian. Yeah, go ahead.
1: And, and, and I don't think you want your world title going on first. I don't know. The yeah. old school yeah. person in me, I just, just doesn't like that at all. I hated when... WWF, even though when they had two world titles, would put one of the world title matches on first. Never was a mm-hmm. fan of that at all.
0: Yeah. So you mentioned this, this was an excellent, excellent match. Uh, Jack Perry took some wicked bumps in this match. He took a fall onto the steel steps when they were down by the ring. Uh, at one point, they got, they were fighting up to the stage. He flipped off the stage to the floor. Um, he took a backdrop on the stage near the casket area and bounced off the stage. That looked pretty brutal. Uh, but in the end, yeah, Jack wins with the concerto. You know, he's going through all the emotions of should he do it or not? He's going to literally bury his mentor here. And he does it. He nails Christian with the concerto. I, I think given the way the feud
1: had gone, I, I thought I could have done without the I'm so conflicted here. Yeah. Like he like he I, I think by this point of the feud, he should pretty much want to put Christian in the fucking ground.
0: Yeah. They uh they show Jack's family by the way who are at ringside notably, and uh, yeah after the concerto he drags Christian into the casket you know this is like an actual casket casket not one of those like WWE constructions kind of like WWE used to use in the early days of the the Undertaker they, he drags him in there crosses Christian's arms kisses him on the forehead. And then he slams the casket door shut. And right as he slams it shut, the casket drops and there's a (laughs) smoke. That was kind of silly, I thought.
1: (laughs) But whatever. Again, though, now we're two for two in the booking department. And I think something uh, that is going to be a, well, I I don't think, I know, because the show's over, I've watched it all. uh, But it's a running theme all night. The the AEW homegrown talent going over uh, folks who have been in the WWE. Yeah. So,
0: yes, indeed. The, the,
1: the, this feud went on, it seems, forever because Christian got hurt. But mm-hmm. it's nice that J- Jungle Boy obviously needed to go over. Uh, I-, I thought the only time Christian had ever taken a pinfall loss in AW was to Omega at all out last year. You pointed out in the Facebook chat that he also was pinned by Adam Cole apparently at some point,
0: yeah, in the past. Dynamite in April of last year. Yep.
1: Okay. So, but still, Christian doesn't lose much. So it means a lot for Jungle Boy to go over here, and um, yeah, hopefully Jungle Boy goes on now along with Ricky Stark. Same thing. It's interesting what's next for these guys. Okay, you put them over, they get big wins, but of course, as we know in wrestling, it is all about the follow up as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, This was a very strong fourth best match on the card.
0: Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, like this was.
1: I I put this probably like the three and a half star range
0: yeah H, jungle boy and christian yeah all right i wanted i want to talk about the iron man match right okay. away i wanted to do it first but i think you're good now i think the internet's going to hold up so let's yeah. let's talk about the iron man match because let's everyone be that's tuning it. in wants to hear about that what's that okay.
1: i said let's be negative about it
0: i i yeah, right. pessimistic
1: okay <laughs> i got when i bet i got a 20 a team with a 20 point lead minute left i still think there's ways that they'll screw it up meth.
0: <laughs> well while, while i have you here let's talk about the iron man world title match so of course it goes on in the main event spot uh and yeah mjf comes out and he was wearing that devil mask that he wore at all out which got people talking you know about punk and then he originally planned feud they had for these guys to conclude at, at full gear before brawl out and all of that um there you know obviously no cm punk but in the post-match scrum, MJF seemed to be toying around with the punk stuff still a little bit. We'll talk about that here after the match. But he comes out with a small orchestra that played his theme with with violins. That was pretty cool. He got the you know the world champion entrance here. Brian came out with his typically lame theme song.
1: Song so get,
0: bad, so bad.
1: It's one of the worst theme songs. Not just for a good, uh, a great, an all-time great pro wrestler. It's one of the worst
0: wrestling theme songs i've ever heard in my life it's horrible it's absolutely and it just doesn't fit his personality no it's it, auto-tune well, singing and
1: yeah, yeah when the vocals kick in you're just like oh
0: god it was okay before they added the vocals to it when he, yes. when he first got it it was just the beat i was like all right this works I, I you know i wanted him to come out to final countdown obviously it couldn't work because of the financials but i was like all right this will work a little bit no <laughs> once we got the lyrics like what the awesome. hell is this it's all awesome. that so All right, so as they get ready for the match, Excalibur was selling the fact that Brian's been here before. You know, he's wrestled numerous times over 60 minutes. He he kept talking about, like, he's wrestled a 74-minute match. He was calling out different times.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and and we should point out, you know, that 75-minute match was against Austin Aries in Ring of Honor, and it's got one of the great (laughs) backstories of all time. There was people talking about it on Twitter last night, Trevor Dame, who does a Ring of Honor history podcast. Uh, You know, the idea for that match originally, Danielson's idea was to go over two hours. Mm -hmm. It was a two out of three falls match, and he could sense pretty early that this crowd was not going to deal with the two and a half hour match because who in the fuck would ever want to watch a two plus hour wrestling match? So they they went home at 75 minutes.
0: (laughs) He was looking to recreate Gotch Hackenschmidt. (laughs) Yeah. jeez, Can you imagine? Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. So let's see. At the very start, so Brian was trying to entice MJF into mat wrestling. Uh, Brian was, like, doing jumping jacks to taunt him. Both guys talked about how they trained so much for this match. MJF talked about in the post-show scrum, like, this very strict diet he was on. All this is legit, you know, to get ready for this. And they looked by the end of the match like they could have gone <laughs> even longer, even though they sold, like, the oxygen. We'll get into all of that. But, yeah, MJF was really, really good um, I, I liked crowd. How,
1: yeah, I liked in the opening, uh, like, I don't know, 15 minutes or whatever, 10, 15 minutes, they didn't waste time with wrestling that didn't lead it. Like they didn't like work a a body part, which, which ultimately leads nowhere. You know, sometimes Mm -hmm. that's like an easy thing to fall into when you're doing these long matches. Uh, you know, the the MJF was doing a lot of stalling heat tactics. I know there's one that is certainly the talk of the internet, uh, this morning, something that he did That's where
0: I was going next. Yeah.
1: Okay. But, um, yeah, I, I like that. Very good pacing early on.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So Max gets into the crowd um, and he's like taunting the fans and acting like he's going to fight him like he always does. And he goes over to this mom and she's holding her drink and he asks for the drink. So she gives him the drink and then he throws it on her kid. <laughs> and when it happened, you're like not sure if it was water or an alcoholic drink. Turns out it was tequila <laughs> from what I heard this morning. Yeah, And uh, this kid was not happy. He was not a plant. This was not planned. Uh, evidently, right afterwards, uh, fans nearby were trying to settle the kid down. The kid was very, very upset. You got to be careful when you're doing stuff like this if it's not planned. Uh, eventually, Amanda Huber came out. She was trying to settle down the kid. And eventually, I think, like, Will Washington from Grapsity, he was there. And he went and, like, got something from the for the kid from the merch stand. Other fans were, like, offering to give the kid their shirts and stuff because his shirt was ruined he's reeking of tequila the mom was not happy she wasn't having it but eventually they settled him down and he was into the show and like and booing him and there was a point late in the match where they were fighting right over by him and they wanted like the kid to throw another throw a drink on max this time (laughs) but yeah he got to go backstage after the show tony talked about it in the post show scrum they gave him tickets to the Sacramento show this Wednesday night. I'm sure he got a bunch of autographs and pictures with the wrestlers. And it turned out to be a memorable night for him. But, you know, it was it was great heel heat. But you want to you have those people planted and not just, especially when it involves a kid, not just do it out of nowhere like that.
1: So the mom's reaction was so phony that I just assumed it was a plant. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, he, he grabs the drink and then whizzes on the kid and the mom's like, ah! like i was like okay all right i'm like that, that's funny it's a good visual him throwing uh water you know on a kid but the fact that it wasn't a plant and the fact that it's tequila is a big uh-oh i mean i'm not gonna yeah. you know sit here and, and pretend that i don't think it's funny but <laughs> <laughs> the kid, the <laughs> kid like... got
0: tequila in his eyes his eyes were burning yeah yeah <laughs> that's
1: it. it it's not you know it, it's not like a deal you know I remember in the days of yore when Ted DiBiase like kicked the ball out from the kid uh, yeah, who was yeah. dribbling and that kid they said was really upset. Mm-hmm. This is beyond that. Um, yeah. You, 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 if they get out of it without like a lawsuit or anything like that, I, I think they're, they should kind of breathe a sigh of relief. Cause yeah, I think you just gotta pay the kid and his mom off and, and hope there's no hard feelings there. Cause it's something that can make you look bad.
0: Yeah. So when he was asked about it, Tony Khan said, you know, he had, he was talking about it with Max right next to him in the scrum. And he said that he talked to him before they came out here about this. And this was unbecoming of a world champion. And of course, like Max is rolling his eyes and, you know, doing whatever next to him because he's, he's playing up his bit, but I, I'm sure he'll think twice before he does it again. But it's, yeah. it seems like they got out of it. All right. But it was, yeah, it was a little dicey there for a while. So, all right. So yeah, as you said, Max is, is great with the crowd early. Um, about 15 minutes into the match, Brian hit a sunset flip power bomb out of the corner that I wrote down as an awesome spot. Uh, 20 minutes in Max missed a moonsault to the outside. He was really selling his knee. Uh, Brian then followed that up right away with a suicide dive to the outside. Um, they had this near fall series, 23 minutes in, just rolling counts, you know, small packages all around the ring. Uh, but then we get the first fall. So approximately 26 or so minutes in, uh, Brian goes up 1-0 after he hits a psycho knee. And then after that, there's this series, which was a little confusing as it happened, but MJF hits a low blow, and then he immediately covers for two quick falls. And so watching Live was like, all right, so did he just go up two to one? But then they explained on commentary, and they were even confused a little bit. Yeah. That, The low blow was a DQ called after the fact. And then Max got two quick falls. So they didn't like break at all. I think we've talked about this in the past on the show. When we talk about Ironman matches, why don't they just immediately go for a second cover? And they actually did that here. Uh, So Max sacrificed himself by getting the DQ to then get two quick falls. So he was down one Oh, now it's tied two to two since he got DQ'd. And we're about 26 and a half minutes into the match at this point. And then Max rolls to the outside for a water break. What What did you think about this sequence?
1: It wasn't executed the best it could have been. And the fact that like people in the building were confused, like I saw Alvarez tweeting, wait, did they DQ him? And mm-hmm. I-, I was like you, I just thought he was up two one. And then I think it was Excalibur mentioned that there was a DQ in there, but it didn't feel like the bell rang for a DQ. Yeah, or that the referee called it visibly. So yeah, I, I think they could have done that better. But it, it's always a great heel spot in the Iron Man to do something like take the DQ to lead to um, you know two falls. Triple H did that in the Judgment Day Iron Man match. Um, I want to say maybe like Rick Rude did something like that in the in the Beach Blast one too. Mm. So. Um, yeah, I, I, I liked the concept of what they did. I think the execution could have been tightened up for sure.
0: Yeah. It weren't, He wasn't like visually enough signaling DQ. I think Mm -hmm. it was, wasn't Remsburg. Yeah, maybe,
1: maybe, yeah, maybe it's on the referee.
0: I don't know. Yeah. But we found out, so it's, 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 it's two to two at this point. As I said, they're almost halfway through the match here. And I want to also say for an Ironman match, this match flew by. And one of the big things, and I was tweeting about this was, I like that they didn't have the clock up the entire time because I find that when they get the scoreboard thing up, like WWE's done this in the past, I think that's so distracting because I'm constantly looking at it I'm thinking, oh, geez, 52 minutes left. Oh, man, there's still 48 minutes left. But here they were breaking in. It seemed like about every 15 minutes, maybe every 10 minutes, they would put it up for a little bit. Now, when we got to the second half of the match, it was up longer periods. I just... I was fine with that, but like when you got 55 minutes left, I don't need to see that thing ticking. And so I, I like that. That was a nice choice. And it made the time really fly by, I thought. Yeah. So yeah. 35 minutes in. They're fighting up to the top rope. Uh MJF ends up knocking the camera off to the ground, the cam like the mechanical camera that's you know tied up to the post. <clears throat> and then Brian took a pretty brutal fall to the floor. He banged his shoulder on the ring apron as he fell. Uh, Eventually, MJF sets Brian up on the timekeeper's table outside, and he comes off the top rope with an elbow drop. We're 36 and a half minutes into the match at this point. Brian barely beat the count to get into the ring. Uh, MJF then comes outside. He gives Brian a jumping pile driver through the rest of the table that was still left that is barely standing. And then MJF really sold his knee afterwards. Brian's bleeding now. Uh, MJF tries to squeeze more blood out of his forehead like a pimple. He's like squeezing the cut on his head. There's 20 minutes left in the match at this point. Uh, and then MJF did his move where he gives him the pile driver through the ropes and he covers uh, 48, 40 and a half minutes into the match for a fall. So we're about 20 minutes left and now MJF is is up 3-2. to two. You got anything on that sequence there, Kyle? I'm waiting to the end. All right. So then MJF has a flurry of punches as Brian's bleeding all over MJF screams. Is that you? You're the best in the world. You fucking suck. I'm the best. Say hi to birdie. He says more punches. He's looking at the camera. I told you this would happen to (laughs) We're 45 minutes in Uh, Brian reverses an Irish whip on the outside. He sends MJF into the ring post. Brian then hits a running knee off the apron. Brian goes up top. He comes off to the floor with a splash to a standing MJF. They get back into the ring. This was cool. They, they fight up to the top turnbuckle. Brian does the spider superplex 47 minutes into the match where he does the superplex, but he hangs himself by the legs you know, out of the corner so he doesn't take any impact. Uh, then he, do, he does still take some impact, though, because immediately afterwards, he hits a flying headbutt off the top rope mjf starts bleeding profusely now kyle he took a lot of aspirin because that blood was flowing and if you remember last year the dog collar match he had with punk at revolution punk bled all over the place and mjf barely got any blood so he made up for that this year because he blood he bled like crazy in this match it was insane uh brian with a psycho knee at 49 minutes and then he locks in the label lock and MJF taps. There's about 10 minutes left at this point. We're all knotted up 3 3. Uh, Brian goes to lock it in immediately again. MJF turns it into the salt of the earth. Brian rolls through, puts in the label lock again, but MJF rolls it into a near fall. And they're selling on commentary that all the blood on Max's face is the reason he could slip out of that. And Brian couldn't quite keep the label lock on. I like that i thought that was a nice touch mjf puts on the salt of the earth again brian's trying to get to the ropes max really cinches it in and then he grabs brian's other arm and one of his legs and he's really he's pulling back like three of his limbs and brian uses his one free limb his other leg to get to the rope for the break it's about seven minutes left in the match at this point uh, they're exchanging blows on their knees 6 minutes left back and forth they have this shot where like MJF is gassed they shoot to Brian he's laughing <laughs> 5 minutes left the announcer says it on the PA that there's uh i think it was 5 minutes left at that point yeah and they both start exchanging quick right hands you know they're getting down to the end of the match they're they're chopping each other MJF hits a finger poke but runs into a roundhouse kick Brian hits a big forearm. Brian charges. It gets sent to the outside. They're up on the apron. MJF gives him the heat seeker pile driver again through the ropes Two count this time. They fight up to the top rope. There's three minutes left. Brian with elbow strikes. MJF grabs him, hits a tombstone pile driver off of the corner. Max clutches his knee afterwards. He's done that
1: before. Who did he do that before against?
0: Yeah, I thought I had seen him do this. I don't remember who it was though. But what you see him doing it to Brian, knowing about his history, you kind of cringe, like, "Oh Jesus, I hope he's holding him tight," you know. And afterwards, Brian is—he's—he's he's out. He's on the mat, Matt out. MJF's clutching his knee. They zoom in. MJF has this huge knot on his forehead. Uh, Max like pounds his knee, crawls over. Brian kicks out at two and he locks in a single leg leg crab. There's 60 seconds left. He was playing possum to lure in MJF. MJF goes for the ropes. Brian drags him back to the center of the ring with 40 seconds left. MJF is almost tapping out, but he bites his fist to prevent himself from tapping out. He's selling. He's about to tap. There's 15 seconds left. Brian grabs his arm. He hooks that back to he's really cinching this thing in the crowds counting down and we hit the bell Max MJF. He taps right after the bell rings right after the bell rings. Justin Roberts comes on the PA announces it's a draw. Of course, the crowd is booing. Both men are given oxygen in the ring and they, they show Tony Schiavone up at the announce position. He's on the head on his headphones. Talking with Tony Khan, recreating Gorilla Monsoon here at WrestleMania 12. Uh, Tony Shavati walks to the ring. He announces that Tony Khan does not want this match to end like this. It's sudden death for the next until the next fall. There's got to be a winner. We're 27 years after WrestleMania 12, also in California here, but up the road in the Bay Area. Uh MJF shoves the referee and he gets rolled up by Brian for two as they get underway. And MJF low blows Brian with a kick, rolls him up and pulls his tights. You think that's the finish Two count again. MJF picks up the belt, which he had brought into the ring after the 60 minutes had expired. And Bryce Remsberg tells him if he uses it, he loses it. He says, be my guest. Try me. He Screams at MJF. So he hands the belt to Bryce and then he pulls out the dynamite diamond ring. At this point, Brian hits a reverse hurricane rana, but MJF still has the ring. So you're thinking he's going to use it. Brian with a psycho knee for a two count. The crowd bit huge on that. They thought it was over. That Brian yes, was actually yes that, was, win. that
1: was a very good. I actually bit on it.
0: I did, too. And that, I said that when you were off air, too, that, you know, a match is good when the like the most plugged in fans or like the wrestling media who went into this match thinking that there was no way Brian was going to win are biting on those. Like, I bet on it, too. I'm like, holy shit, he's, is he going to win this match? You know, I was into it at this point. Um, Then Brian is hitting some standing kicks to MJF's leg. He locks in the half crab again. These This half crab he kept doing was unbelievable how much he would cinch this thing back. At that point, you know, they're kind of teasing that MJF might use the ring to punch him, but Brian pulls the ring off MJF. MJF is pounding the map and not tapping out. Brian's really, really sitting back on it. You're wondering if it's going to be the finish. MJF reaches the ropes for the break and then taps. (laughs) So Danielson, whose back is turned with the hold, obviously, he thinks that MJF has tapped and instead MJF rolls to the outside. And when he gets to the outside, what's laying there on the mat? But one of those oxygen tanks that both men had received oxygen, you know, after the 60 minutes had expired. And Brian crawls over and MJF hits him with it from the outside. And then he tosses that oxygen tank away so that the ref does doesn't see it. And then MJF gets back in the ring and he locks on Brian's own hold, the label lock. And you think Brian's out. His hand drops one, two. And then on the third time, he holds his hand. And he's he's trying to get the crowd back into it. And he's starting to fight out. I like that. I, th- I thought that was the finish for sure. He fights out. The crowd's getting behind him. Uh, Excalibur yells, Brian Danielson will not be denied. And then Brian slumps back down and he didn't pass out. He tapped out.
1: Yeah, I, th- I was shocked by that, to be honest.
0: I was you. too. I was I guess, kind of surprised.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I guess the goal of this match was very clearly to put MJF over in a major way where people saw him um, as be- as a better wrestler than they saw him going in to the match. I I was tickled a little bit by people who thought he was not capable of doing this. You know, I I think sometimes people fall into a trap because people wrestle a little differently that they think maybe they're not as good as like the standard, like what is a good wrestler? But I Mm. I had complete, (laughs) I, I joked on Facebook, my least, the thing I was least concerned about going into this match was MJF being able to go 60. You know, I, I, I was fully confident. I mean, he's had a, a number of great matches uh, throughout his AEW. This was obviously his best career match, though. And um, yeah, I, I think it's mission accomplished, which is the goal that people now see MJF in a more positive light. I think coming into the match, one of the things that, uh, you know, one of the criticisms I had was that he, he wasn't really any different mjf than he was pre being like world champion mjf wasn't much different than pre-world champion mjf now this gives him a little bit of a boost he had his you know people are going to recognize it as his best performance ever he wins you know he's gonna it's something he can constantly go back to as a character oh i beat brian danielson in a 60 plus minute match and yeah they, they they absolutely hit a home run this is one of the best iron man matches i ever saw i'm gonna watch it I'd like to watch it again because I'll be honest with you. Um, I was actually getting a little tired last night down the whole yeah. stretch. And yeah. and and I'd like to watch this while I'm completely wide awake again to before I properly rate it and you know and, and give that official tally. But yeah, absolutely one of the best Iron Man matches. They held my attention for 60 plus. And um yeah, MJF moving forward, you know. It's it's going to be interesting to see how they can continue building and building him uh, as the pay per views come and go.
0: Yeah, I personally would say that this is the best Iron Man match of all time. Uh, I mean, I think it's better than Brett and Shawn. I think it's better than Double, Rock and Triple H. It's be- I mean, and I like that match better than you do, obviously, yeah. as we talked yeah. about. But it's definitely better than that. I think it's better Rock Triple H. It's better than the Lesnar Angle one, you oh, know, yeah. that they had on SmackDown almost twenty years, maybe about twenty years ago now yeah they held my attention the whole time it's just amazing to think about the fact that brian danielson just a few years ago we thought we'd never see this guy wrestle again and here he is putting on a freaking 65 minute classic on pay-per-view in the main event at aew it's it's in the running for best AEW match of all time i would agree with that for sure it
1: um You know, the only other Iron Man match, getting back to that discussion, that I would consider rating above this would be that Rock Triple H one from Judgment Day 2000. Uh, People can check that, a review of that match in the archives, Mm -hmm. by the way, if you're a Patreon. Uh, But yeah, I I would put this one right up with the, it's funny, Daniel, uh, Daniel Bryan, Bryan Danielson. How many of the best singles matches in AEW have his name attached to him? You know, Omega, oh the two with Paige yeah. and this one. I mean, he, you could argue maybe the four best AEW singles matches of all time are all Brian Danielson matches. And I would certainly, you know, put this right there among with the other three.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah. Outside of like, yeah, you got Cody and Dustin, obviously. Yeah. The that, first, that, 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 first show. But outside of that. Yeah, I, w- I would agree. Singles matches for sure he's He's been in almost all of them, just you know, yeah, insane. And,
1: and, and you just think about it. I mean, not to you know, be a nitpicker, but you know, again, people, you know, if you're going to nitpick one promotion, you're going to nitpick them both. You just think, God, if they booked him better for most of 2022, yeah, going in, you know, I mean, yeah, you, you know, I mean, it, maybe it means a little bit more, but you know, never look. We know Brian Danielson's an all time elite worker, one of the greatest in history, uh, and you know, MJF he is more over now than he was 24 hours ago and that was the goal of this match so mission accomplished in that regard
0: Kyle you know what put this what uh puts this one over the triple h rock one for me it's the it's the submissions because boy oh boy rock sharpshooter awful looking here these submissions were tight man <laughs> half crab the salt of the earth they all look f- phenomenal you know good, what good. Uh,
1: you, you know where this one doesn't measure up though we needed CM Punk coming out on a motorcycle to American <laughs>
0: Badass. Yes, Dude, it sounds like in the way this card played out, it's looking like MJF is going to work Hangman next, and he sold that in in the in the post show scrum. It makes sense. Uh, I talked I I talked about how that he you know he was asked who he wants to work with next, and he mentioned some names, but he he went on and on about Hangman. He didn't mention Punk by name, oh. but he continues to tease it. You know, like when he came in, he was screaming. He was the best in the world. Yep. He had the white towel on with the blood. looked just like <sighs> punk at all outs. Instead of munching on uh, cupcakes, he was munching on these pickles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, I thought that was a nice touch. Look, what do you do when you cramp up? You drink pickle juice, right? Like that's the old track trick. And, uh, He's munching on these pickles. He's like, God, these pickles are good. He, he tells one media member to come up there and try one. And he's like, I'm serious. And this guy comes up and he eats a pickle and walks off, taking some payola there from MJF. Um, MJF just going after the media too, by the way, it's just phenomenal stuff. <laughs> it's like, I you th- think people are probably scared to ask him questions. He, uh, he called on Liam Crowley from ComicBook.com first. I, I think he must be the guy who replaced me there when I left comic book. And, uh, he was like, comicbook.com? It's like, oh my, just like the New York Times or something, which was pretty, was pretty funny. Uh, uh, he told Denise Salcedo her voice was annoying. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. this guy's such a good heel. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah.
1: I, yeah. I like pickle juice after a shot of Jameson, the old Jameson pickleback, man. That's always uh, oh, yeah. a yeah. favorite in a bar. now i i forgot what uh, what i was going to follow up with oh um what that we didn't mention that happened during the match that was really good was mjf talking to the camera
0: mm-hmm.
1: um but yeah oh it's in terms of who's yeah page would make all the sense based on who won the two big matches coming out of this and yeah, they teased Punk and, and, you know, in a perfect world, Punk would be back, but it's not a perfect world, as we know. So, yeah. and, you know, um, and there were a lot of people, I think, that, you know, the good news is there was a lot of baby faces that went over on this undercard that you can mm-hmm. see as future MJF opponents, because they do need to do that. That was something Dave, I know, brought up with The Observer several weeks ago. Uh, I talked about that with Frank on an edition of Extra, um, yeah. that, you know, there, there needs to be more than just one viable baby face for moving forward. Let's, you know, you have to get a few more.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. So as we mentioned, let's go back to the top of the card. So you got Starks going over, you got jungle boy going over two strong baby faces there. Then they get to the trios title match, uh, elite defending against house of black. And I wanted to shout out Taylor patron of the show from the Chicago land area. He was in our chat over on, uh, Facebook in the top rope nation group last night. he mentioned that He saw Brody King at uh, one of his rock shows recently, and he had mentioned to him that they need to do less spooky stuff and more ass-kicking, and that is what we got here, Kyle. This is what we've been asking for with House of Black, and they were booked really, really well in this match. Obviously, they go over. They capture the trio's titles, and uh, Brody himself, he got a lot of offense early, looked really, really dominant, There was a spot where I think it was Matt Jackson. He put in like this hangman sleeper over the top rope where he's just like hanging in midair. That was really, really cool. He
1: did that with Darby too. I remember way back when it was cool. Yeah.
0: Yep. So what were your thoughts on this one? I'll let you talk a little bit here.
1: Yeah, that was a great match. Uh, It it was the best House of Black has looked in AEW. I agree. I I think I said the same thing as as Taylor. It's nice when you're not doing like this spooky, you know, second rate Bray Wyatt bullshit. You're just being badasses. Uh, mm-hmm. And this group, you know, w- looked much better off for it. So, yeah, I uh, I, I thought this was out- – the Elite needed a good match, too, because yeah. I thought they were kind of – their star was fading a little bit. Uh, and the numbers yeah. bear that out, too, if you look at the ratings. Uh, interesting here that they were the lone kind of homegrown AEW act that put over people from the – now, I know Brody King is not a WWE uh, – Guy who came over there, but obviously Malachi Black and Buddy Matthews are. So that this was kind of the exception to the rule, booking wise. And I think the trios titles were tailor made for the Elite, but it also didn't seem to be working them in that role. I was a little disappointed. Yeah. Like it did, it didn't feel like a big deal. It, it felt like they needed to be doing something else. And so it'll be interesting now that we've got new champs. Uh, what, what the House of Black does, and if they can build this trios division into something
0: meaningful. Yeah, Justin and I talked about that a couple of weeks ago and how even though the the, the titles were clearly made for him, it has felt kind of like a waste to have the elite there where they always got to wrestle together and you can't do Kenny singles matches as much and the Bucks out of the tag pick. I mean, you could, but like we got that long series of the best of seven. I know they had some great matches, but I wasn't a huge fan of it. It went on too long.
1: No, putting the same match on television seven yeah. times is, is suicide. I thought, yeah. and the so ratings figured that out. Them.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well,
1: and, and you know what the problem was? You, you know, I, I actually picked up on this about a couple minutes into the match. You know what made this match for me work better than anything they did with Death Triangle is it was not tailor-made opponents. Like, mm-hmm. it felt like the Elite, when they got the belts, they were just working with people that could do their style of match. And it was just old hats over and over again. This, they kind of had to work a little differently, and it was just more interesting. Yeah. Like, over the course of that best of seven, I just lost interest. You just knew what it was going to be coming in, and, and and they did exactly what you thought. And I'm not. It's not that it was bad, but this was just a more interesting match, yeah. I thought, where, where the Elite had to because they were working a different style of opponent, had to change up how they worked. And that's always just more interesting to me as a wrestling fan.
0: I agree. Yeah. Yeah, no, this this was clearly the number three match on the show. It was it was very good. And uh, you're seeing, as I said, House of Black, how we've wanted them to be booked for a long time. I guess I'll just take you down through the finish here. Uh, late in the match, you had uh, Omega and Aleister Black exchanging strikes back and forth. Um, Julia Hart was out there. She was getting into the match, you know, interfering here and there. Um, Brody went to grab Nick Jackson, but Matt was there, helped his brother super kick Brody. Uh, Omega took out Brody with a V trigger. Uh, later, Kenny's hit Malachi Black with Snapdragon suplexes, and Julia Hart gets up on the apron. She's trying to distract Kenny. Uh, eventually... Kenny hits the V trigger on Julia Hart off the apron. His reaction was funny. <laughs> and then the House of Black grabs Kenny and they spike him with the Dante's Inferno. Uh, House of Black has Omega totally surrounded in the ring. The Bucks come back. They pull Buddy Matthews and Brody out of the ring. They hit super kicks on them. The Elite hit Alistair Black with a BTE trigger, but Matthews comes there to break up the pinfall attempt. Matt Jackson calls for the Meltzer driver, but buddy counters in the house of black finish off Matt Jackson. That, that was awesome. Inferno. Yeah.
1: That was awesome. The that that was, that was really good. Um, you know, it was funny. They actually leaned into on commentary, the idea that buddy Murphy is kind of like, Kenny will make a coffee cat <laughs> and likes to do his stuff. Uh, so you know, I thought that was good, but yeah, all right. A four-star match. It felt like yeah. watching yeah. it. So, um, It'll be interesting what you do next, I guess, with the elite. Do do they want... They need to want the titles back, though. Otherwise, it makes the titles not seem meaningful. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I think we both... Sounds like we agree that we want them to do something else.
0: Yes. So, yeah. Yeah, I'd like to see them do something else. (laughs) I want to see Kenny in some singles matches. Obviously, there's a lot of talk about Kenny and his future right now yeah,
1: I mean, yeah. Maybe, maybe i mean maybe they're going out the door maybe that's what yeah. this was maybe hit the bricks elite <laughs> have fun <laughs> some in people Titan thought sports.
0: that yeah some yeah. people thought I- that kenny kenny was or uh, tony was asked about kenny and potentially having time tacked onto his contract because of his injury and he didn't really get into the specifics in the scrum mm. but he, you know he basically just said again he hopes kenny he thinks kenny's one of the best wrestlers in the world and he hopes Ooh. that he's with aew for a long time that's right. about all he said Pretty generic. Uh yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and it's funny, I mean, they don't exactly have a a wealth of contenders built up for these titles. They in the pre-show, they put over Mark Briscoe and and the Lucha Bros, which, you know, is is different than the Lucha Bros and and Pack, but you know, it's still the Lucha Bros and the, you know, I I'd like to see moving forward, you know, more more trios teams built up for this. I think that's how you you know, just like any division, you need depth. It's not just about having a contender of the month. Yeah,
0: that's how you incorporate this massive roster, right? Yeah, make use. Yes, yeah. I mean they have like eight billion people. Sure. Yeah. All right. Women's triple threat. Jamie Hader defending against Ruby Soho and Soraya. Um. You know the talk about where Ruby Soho's allegiance lies. She came out. I noticed this, and it was I guess it was kind of a hint towards the finish of the match. She had this jacket on. That listed like three things, and there was check marks next to them, and one of the things that listed, I think at the very top, I wish I had a screenshot it said "Homegrown," and that was not checked off, and as we see oh. at the finish here, she goes with the Fed girls right turns you know turns against the aew girls here, so really quickly on the match itself, I mean obviously Jamie haters is the most over of these women. You got Britt out there at ringside with her at the very start. They're brawling through the crowd. Uh, Soraya and Jamie hater, hater get back to the ring. is uh, working her over with stomps. Uh, later, let's see. Hayter and Soraya wrestle for a while, and then Ruby jumps in, and she gives a suplex to Soraya. Jamie grabs Ruby and rocks her with the hater breaker. Uh, Ruby hits Soraya with Destination Unknown, but hater is there to break up the pinfall attempt. Uh, Ruby goes for a kick, <clears throat> but Hader ducks it. She rolls up Ruby and pins her. The pinfalls seem to like kind of come out of nowhere here. Afterwards, Storm, Tony Storm, who is at ringside, jumps into the ring. She begins to kick Hader, who's down. Baker comes in to even things up, but Soraya and Tony Storm swarm on Baker. At this point, Ruby Soho is over in the corner, just seated in the corner, just kind of looking out at what's happening. And eventually she joins Soraya and Storm. So at first she kind of like tossed them to the outside. So you think she's, you know, with Hader and Baker, but then she turns and then it's, it's Ruby Soho, it's Soraya, and it's Tony Storm beating down Jamie Hader and Britt Baker. And those three walk off together. Any thoughts, Kyle?
1: Right. Person one, um, as far as Soho turning, I don't know. it's, like, it's, it's odd that if they had this plan to come together, why would they not work together during the match? Why would they wait till – like, did something ha- – are we going to be told that something happened over the course of the match that made Ruby so – Shock I mean, value. We got to yeah, I mean, have the shock value. That's I it. mean, you're, you're talking about that she had this jacket or whatever. I mean, she was obviously thinking about it. If that was foreshadowing, it makes no sense why they would wait till they lose to turn – I mean, I think some people like, oh, I'm excited to see Ruby Soho as a heel now. Okay, whatever. I I don't think she should get the belt whether she's a babyface, a heel, a tweener, or whatever. Um, I would have Jade team up with Britt and Hater against the three if they're going to do a six-woman match. I like that. I would do, just to... to, to, I think, because Jade's kind of meandering right now. um, Mm -hmm. I think that would be a good use of... Her moving forward, but, you know, again, I mean, I I think, you know, one of the big stories, you know, again, is not just that the uh, AEW homegrowns won virtually every match tonight. It's that the right person won every match. And that, I mean, I I think taking the title off Jamie Hayter would have been dumb here.
0: So at least they didn't Mm -hmm. do that. Yeah.
1: Match was whatever. Uh, Yeah.
0: Decent. I mean, not, not great. Not, not something out of your way to watch. This next one, though, was. So the Texas Death Match, Hangman Adam Page, John Moxley. Uh, Hangman had a new entrance, which was really good. It uh, totally gives him the main event feel. I thought his old theme was fine. But- it was a little
1: generic, little stock. It sounded like. I, but but I think it's just gonna be a one off. They said the music guy tweeted, "Yeah, I think." Oh he said-
0: man. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a bummer because it was great. He came out to Ghost Riders in the Sky. And uh, a whole new Titan Tron, or not Titan Tron, I guess it's AEW, whatever. We, have, we all caught the Titan Tron. Yeah, the, the, the Tron. And uh crowd went nuts for this. Uh, Moxley comes out, and as Moxley comes out through the crowd as usual, Hangman blindsides him to start the match. He uh, t- takes barbed wire to Moxley's forehead to draw juice really early on. Uh, Hangman wrapped barbed wire around his leg, gets caught by Moxley moxley pulls out a fork out of his boot this was insane he starts stabbing page in the head and the first time he hit him with that fork blood literally squirted out
1: and yeah and then mrs ross went running out of the room <laughs> cammy my like, wife
0: also still had it on in the other room from when where i yeah. started watching the show and she came yeah. down and she was like this is too far
1: <laughs> yeah cammy goes you're that, what did she say this is that right yeah it's like it was like 1998 Jim jim ross <laughs>
0: Dude, it was crazy. I just, yeah. yeah, he's just grinding this fork into his forehead. Blood is splattering. He's hitting him. Blood is flying off of Paige. Um, Moxley gets a chair wrapped in barbed wire, and he wedges it into the corner. Hangman goes face first into it, and they kept selling for the rest of the match. There was like skin hanging on that barbed wire on the chair. It looked like it was hair, but it was hanging there. Um. Moxley locked Paige into a single leg crab on top of the chair with barbed wire. Moxley sets up chairs back to back and he wraps barbed wire around them. Paige ends up powerbombing Moxley onto those chairs. Uh, Paige then wraps his torso in barbed wire and he hits a moonsault off the top to the outside. He sets up a table and barbed wire on the outside. Gets back into the ring. He gets a cutter from Moxley when he's coming through the ropes. Uh, Mox pulls out this big, thick chain and some bricks out from under the ring. And he smashes Page's hand between the bricks with a stomp. Mox gives Page a pile driver onto this big chain. He tries to slam Page onto the chair and barbed wire, but Page reverses it into a suplex. Uh, Moxley jumps up, screams. You know, getting hyped, only to be clotheslined immediately. That was really good. Page gives a fall-away slam to Moxley onto the barbed wire chair. Follows that up with a dead eye onto the barbed wire chair. Moxley rolls to the outside. Page jumps to the outside, sending Moxley into the table and barbed wire that he had set up on the entranceway. They get up to the top turnbuckle. They take turns, oh my god, Kyle, with this camera that's you know up there so you get these close-ups they're taking turns of scratching each other with their fingernails across each other's backs um moxley then grabs the barbed wire and you start scraping it across page's back (laughs) oh man mox sends page off the top through a barbed wire table on the outside uh it was like a flip that page took he took most of that landing on his head to the table Referees checking on him. Officials are checking on him. Paige gets up, breaking the KO 10 count. Gets a big clothesline when he gets into the ring. Uh, he beats that 10 count as well. Uh, Paige hits a lariat and goes for a, the buckshot, but he runs into a Death Rider DDT from Mox. And then Mox hits a curb stomp onto the bricks to Paige. Uh, he beats the count. Moxley puts on a rear naked choke. Page breaks the count. Both men are, are grabbing a chair. Hangman hits a lariat out of the corner. Page wraps that chain, that thick chain, and puts a choke around Moxley, uh, but Moxley gives him a low blow with a kick. Page nails him with a brick to the head. Mox has these chains wrapped around his neck, and Page hits the buckshot as Moxley flips him off. <laughs> He's flipping him off. He hits the buckshot anyways. Page then. Clotheslines Mox out of the ring. You know, he's got this chain wrapped around uh, Moxley. And he uses that chain to choke Moxley over the top rope as Moxley actually taps out for the finish. This was a hell of a match. Great unbelievable, finish. It's quite a spectacle. spectacle, Kyle. Would you go five stars on this?
1: Close? I don't know. I'll have to rewatch it again. I don't rate matches, but I've only seen them once. Uh, so, I... Uh, again, kind of like with with MJF, I think the key here was Hangman Page is far more oh, feels far more over far more important now than he did coming in. That's the because I mean he, the loss of momentum he had over the last year was was quite striking. I, I would I hope moving forward they tone down the self doubt. Like I don't want to. Oh God, he's yeah, drinking yeah. again because he doubts himself. How about he drinks because he likes it? That's cool. Like, you don't want him to be like, like, I, like my issue with this feud going in was that he just felt like the less cool babyface, mm-hmm. vis-a-vis Moxley. But this was the kind of performance and results that can sort of eradicate that. And then, you know, we'll see if we can get him back to where he was, uh, you know, 15 months ago or whatever. Yeah, I, I think I think that's the key, you know, how because I mean, you look back since he lost the title. What has he done? Page.
0: Yeah, that's the problem as he was kind of middling and you're wondering is is he even going to be in the main event scene moving forward. Yeah. But I think this match cemented him as a main eventer. The presentation cemented him as a main eventer. This was yeah. like even it sounds weird since he's been the world champion, but this was I think the match that will for sure solidify him you at know? the top yeah. of the card. And you know? <laughs> I think you know Moxley probably going to lean into that heel bit more going forward. We know before he took his absence, he was starting to go heel. I think that's the direction for him.
1: I wouldn't mind that. Um, so I guess we need to talk about like just the the style, just how extreme and how far they took it, right? I mean, because there mm-hmm. was, you know, I mean, I, I thought there was, you know, Raj Geary again.
0: I mean, come on, with his, he had to turn great. it off. He was disgusted.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I get that it's off putting to some people. I mean, I I, I joked about my wife running. I but you can't really, you know, if you're AEW, you shouldn't appeal to make my wife happy she's not going to watch regardless. So, but <laughs> right. like, I, do you think that this match would have been even more effective if Moxley hadn't had so many bloody brawls on television?
0: Yeah, there was some discourse about this in the group too. I I think he bleeds too much on TV. I agree yeah. with that. Um I don't think that it took away from this one just because it was such an incredible match. I do think he should tone it down on TV. I think there's too much. I think so there's too I. much blood. I think there's too many matches on shows that bleed on TV. They'll have multiple matches. I mean, how many I matches had blood see.
1: on this show alone? Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, I mean, I, I, I like four. I like blood. Yeah, but I mean, you know, again, I, I just think that you know that they need to have him tone it down on television a little bit. But with yeah, I, I think. All things considered, again, right result. I like shows where the right people go over. I think this was the right result uh, mm-hmm. moving forward because I don't want to see Moxley back in the world title picture. I just don't. Yeah. So so Paige going over was the right call. And uh, yeah, uh, again, like the Iron Man, I'm really excited to go back and rewatch it now that I know the result and, and kind of know what's coming to slap a nice rating on it. I'll let people mm-hmm. know what that is when I rewatch it.
0: I think for sure it's it's four and a half or over to me, just on the first watch. I thought it was incredible live. I will yeah, re watch it. I, I, too, but that, that's that, my that, initial reaction.
1: That, yeah. that, that feels right that it was a match of the year contender, absolutely, which four and a half. You know, I'm just I'm just so used to like all these people overrating everything in the moment mm-hmm. now that I, I even more want to re watch things before even speaking of a rating. Right.
0: I do I do think well. I think the main event Dave might break the five star scale on it. But I, I would no, be shocked I mean, if he doesn't go five on both of them. He
1: gave the women's elimination chamber four stars. Four so stars. we better should <laughs> he should give the main event fucking eight stars if he's gonna give yeah, that, that, that was, four stars. That
0: was that was hideous <laughs> to give that four stars. All right.
1: Higher than the ninety two rumble. Yeah. Say that out he, loud. The two thousand twenty three <laughs> WWE women's chamber match was better Jesus. than the nineteen ninety two Royal Rumble.
0: It's not good, Kyle
1: not fucking good
0: neither was trying to follow this match tnt title match samoa joe defending against Wardlow. talk about a death spot boy i mean this was a really good crowd throughout i think they had about nine thousand this is a big building it was not totally sold out um but they had i think they had over nine he said on the, the scrum i want to say it was like around 95 ish in the building uh a little over eight thousand paid they had a yeah. really large gate for this show um but yeah that's what WrestleTix had at eight
1: thousand something paid or whatever yeah yeah um yeah they needed a hardy concert to break it up i think
0: <laughs> they were burned out after the, the uh, texas death match here and uh yeah you but can't there, really blame I remember
1: them an intermission remember they used to do intermission at the early wrestlemanias yeah. maybe aew needs to do an intermission because it is really unfair <laughs> to the people who have to follow because unlike wwe AEW pay-per-views are going to have multiple matches that try to win the night, right? Yes. Whereas WWE is always about they're going to put all the eggs in the main event basket. It's very rare on a WWE show where an undercard match is going to get more bells and whistles than you're going to get in the main event. So they yeah. they don't need, but AEW could maybe think about an intermission. I don't know. I mean, their shows go long enough, so maybe intermission is the last thing people want, but um, just I, I think it's something worth bringing up.
0: Yeah, so yeah, I mean, Wardlow, he comes out, he's hitting a lot of offense early, he uh, flips out of the corner, crowds dead, Wardlow does some really, especially after what we had just saw with such an intense match, he had, you know, the spot where he's jamming his shoulders and uh, Joe in the corner, and they looked so weak, and it was like, oh, this ain't gonna get over, just doesn't work after that intense match that we just saw. Joe turns the tide, hits some leg sweeps. Crowd comes back a little bit as Joe's getting heat throughout. He, he works over Wardlow for a while here. And they, they kind of get on him. He gets the heel heat. Uh Wardlow hits this big headbutt where he just really reared back and comes forward with it. And he ends up choking out Joe with his own hold for the win, kind of out of nowhere. Uh, new champion. You got Wardlow with the TNT title now again and uh he'll be taking on Hobbs Wednesday night and they showed yeah. Hobbs up up in the uh the suites watching it with the gold ring and uh Hobbs confronted Wardlow at the scrum afterwards too he came out through the you know the press in the room and talked about that match coming up Wednesday night in Sacramento so that'll be an interesting one Kyle, cuz felt like Hobbs could get a run here
1: yeah i eh, okay narrow view here Again, we have an AEW homegrown being a guy who's migrated from the WWE. So I know Mike Johnson does not like Wardlow. I see the comment there, <laughs> but um, it, it, I think that that so in the narrow sense, okay, Wardlow gets his win back. But does that mean much if he loses to Hobbs in a few days? I, I think no. big picture, what we need to be focused on is the TNT title itself. They've got to get the prestige back in that thing. I think again. Over the last year, it's lost a lot. Um, You know, Scorpio Sky, I, I still don't to this day understand why he would ever have held that title. It I don't really like Wardlow in the championship role, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. He's a guy who gets over doing stuff like the Powerbomb Symphony, kicking, you know, smaller guys' asses, people like that. Um, And then I, I think where he would work in a main event scene would be you know, if there's another kind of top of the card guy who's constantly getting beat up by two heels, Wardlow's a guy that, like, that, you know, top main event babyface could go to and say, hey, man, I need you as my partner. I think that would work well for Wardlow. I, I don't really know if I like Wardlow as the as the TNT champion. I don't know if I like Hobbs in that role. I, to me, it's a belt that, you know, especially if you have MJF defending the world title infrequently, it should be like a workhorse type deal where you have Star, a guy
0: jungle boy. Yeah. Well, I,
1: I mean that last year, I mean, Dan, the belt and Meltzer made this point and I could not, and you know, I, I just, you know, poo pooed Dave five minutes ago, but I'll completely agree with him here. Dave was like banging the drum that Danielson was like tailor made for the TNT title. Right. Mm-hmm. And he was, and, and it's somebody like that. I mean, right now, I mean, Takeshita honestly is a guy that yeah. I, I think should be the TNT champion, but it looks like it's going to be between Wardlow and Hobbs uh, moving forward and uh it'll be interesting they just need to get the prestige back in that title pick one and go with them man
0: it's kind of become the big meaty met men title yeah which uh, is what i don't think it should... title. yeah
1: i i don't i don't know if you know i it feel although i mean miro was great when yeah. he was the champion he was to be honest the yeah. belt hasn't been the same since he lost him
0: i agree and to round out this coverage here it's a tag team title match um yeah so the guns i don't know if we've got your take on the show about them being the champions but you got the guns out there of course uh defending the titles against dan hausen and orange cassidy the acclaimed and jeff jarrett and Jay lethal so kyle what what are your thoughts on the guns as the champions do you think it was the right decision to have for the, the acclaimed to lose the belts to these guys
1: no, but I mean, my take was I kind of mentioned this w- when we did the extra with Frank. As soon as they won, alarm bells went off in my head when I was like, oh, F- they must have FTR re And yeah. FTR is going to take the pelts off the guns because they don't want to do FTR on the acclaimed. Do you want to, I don't know if you want to go through the match. I mean, because I, I I could go on a big tangent here about, I mean, my, my, my whole issue, I have a big issue with the booking of the tag t- division right now. And I don't think it's the gun's fault. I actually think it might be, uh, Tony Khan outsmarting himself here because I I'll be on. I'm just going to say it right now. I think pivoting to FDR as the champs instead of the acclaimed is actually a mistake.
0: Yeah, no. I think if if you wanted to move the belts to FDR, if, if that if you're set on that, I don't see why you don't just have the acclaimed work with them. I know they're two babyface teams, but I also think, like to have uh, those guys share the ring with FDR would be a positive.
1: I, I think it. it... They need to, they do too many baby face baby face matches, and I think FTR is afraid that the acclaim's more over.
0: I think they Which probably are, are right now. Yes. Yeah, uh, I, but I don't think the guns should have won the belts. I don't like the idea of moving the belts to a team that's just not that over. They're o- the like only the reason that I like them too, but they're well, not I mean, tag team champion level. No, I would I mean, go go to the grave saying that they they these guys should not be tag team champions. I'm sorry, they're fine, well, they're, they're good they're workers. Trained. They're, but transitional they're not champions, is what they are. I, I mean, I, I think don't like it, that though. I don't think you need to do that. In well,
1: this no, in a perfect world, and again, it's the booking, and, and, and I don't think Tony's done a great job booking his tag division over the last year, quite no. frankly, because you go back um, in a perfect world, FTR should have had a long run last year. Yes. we talked about this how many times that. You know, you had Jurassic Express, uh, the Bucks had a a, a cup of coffee, uh, Swerve and Our Glory. And and the whole time, FTR's got every other belt in the world, except the WWE belts, obviously. And the announcers are calling FTR the best team in the world, but they're not the AEW tag team champions. Mm -hmm. So, like, like, in a perfect world, FTR would have had a long tag title run last year. They would then have lost it. You know, maybe you turn them heel, you align them with Punk. And they put over the acclaimed, yes, and the acclaimed yes. get their run now. But unfortunately, as I've said a few times, the world's not perfect. I just think the ship has sailed on uh, on a long term FTR tag title run. Are they a better working team than the acclaimed? Absolutely. But if I was Tony Khan and I'm looking at like you know reactions and who I would just want to push to the forefront, uh, it's the acclaimed right now.
0: Yeah, the yeah, I agree with you. The perfect world scenarios FTR would have dropped them to the acclaimed I think that um it just with the guns yeah the tie-in with their dad and the acclaimed fine I mean maybe something will come of that but like they just don't feel like tag team champions and the storyline is fine but yeah if you want to get the belts to FTR if that's your goal I would have rather seen them work with the acclaimed like I said but I think the what the reverse is true it should have been FTR dropping it to the acclaimed and not vice versa. But here we are. And it, it feels like, you know, FTR, they're trying to resign them once their contract up soon. If they haven't resigned, April, they're back now. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I would so, assume, I would assume if they're back, they've re.
0: Yeah. You, you would think so.
1: He had to give them the tag titles. So I don't know.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I guess if that was a stipulation to resign them, I don't have a problem with it because I wanted them to resign. I don't want to, I don't want to see these guys go back to WWE. Jesus. They can do many, many more interesting things here, but I, I hope the uh, tag team tag teams just aren't ever going to get the spotlight in WWE. And I mean, who are they going to, who are they working with? That's going to excite you in WWE in the tag division. No, no, nobody. I mean, they've already worked with everyone there. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I, I just think if if, if you leave the acclaimed out in cold here, that's just a mistake. Uh, I just think oh no I'm yeah I agree. I
0: don't think they should have lost the titles. Like I said, <laughs> it didn't make any sense to me for them to lose the titles, especially well, no, they, we don't I we mean, don't have did. the daddy ass turn anyway. So why I mean, why I do mean, it?
1: As soon as they did, I knew what. Like I said with Frank, I as soon as they lost the titles, I knew what that meant. It meant that they probably resigned FTR and they're going to move the titles to FTR. Mm-hmm. Like it really. Yeah. And the Gun Club, if you remember, they beat FTR, so FTR is going to you know get their win back there. It just, I don't know, I just think taking the titles off the Acclaimed, whether it's the Gun Club or the frickin' Road Dog Club or the frickin' what, Bullet Club or the whatever club, I think it's just, a, yeah, it's, it's a mistake. The Acclaimed were very, very over and should be the tag team champions.
0: Yeah. I think I think Justin and I said the same thing on the first show that we did after the title change a couple few weeks ago where we said, yeah, obviously this is a sign they're just moving the titles over to FDR, but not a fan. Not a fan. I mean, acclaimed for a long time have been one of the hottest acts in the promotion, and they still are, but they don't have the belts, and then you worry what's going to happen to it long term when they're not in that picture, so we shall see. The match itself was fine. Um, The Guns won after they hit Danhausen with the 310 to Yuma. I wrote right after that. Right right after they retained, it was just silence. There's just zero here for these guys. Um, And then Renee Young came out, or Renee Paquette came out to interview them in the ring um they said i just have one question who's an ass boy now crowd booed that but i mean i don't know is it really it, the well, kind of heat i mean well
1: no, here's no, so here's the thing so, see i think you're beat. I, I think there's a lot of potential in the gun club a lot but the thing is you have to go back to how they brought the acclaimed along slowly right like i remember like talking um oh goodness i, I think it was maybe during the pandemic the acclaimed beat uh, Who they beat, like freaking SCU, and I remember there was some groaning in the crowd. I'm like, there's some potential with this acclaimed. They just need to bring them along slowly. And that's the same thing with the Gun Club. They're kind of being thrown in the deep water just because they want to put the titles back on FTR. I don't blame this on the Gun Club at all. I I, no, I mean,
0: that's obviously. I don't yeah. either. I'm okay. just saying they don't. They shouldn't be tag team champions. I, as as I said, I think they're a decent team. I just don't think they're yeah. tag team championship ready well, right now.
1: Yeah, well, and the only reason they're champions though is yeah, to drop just, them to FTR, yeah. which is which which is the issue. It, it's not so much like oh, like they're not the right trend. It's it's that they're taking them off the acclaim to putting them on the FTR. I think that's just a mistake.
0: See that? See that's like my whole problem is I don't think you need a transitional champion. If they insist on moving them the belts over to FTR, just do a big match with your most popular team. I don't know. I think it devalues the tag team titles they have on these guys at this stage. And I was banging the drub on the acclaim for the last couple of years before they got the title. I mean, they could have been champions earlier. They've been hot for well over, what, a year and a half at this point? Uh, but they, they they built up to it slowly. It was a great moment when they won it. Should have done it all out, but it was fine at Grand Slam. Yeah,
1: and they overcame, they overcame the that. Yeah, they overcame that.
0: Yeah, it was it was like, you know, it was a good moment. The match wasn't as good at, at uh, grand slam, but it was fine. They got a good pop and then they take the belts off them too early. So I don't yeah. think the booking of the acclaimed has been that good, but here we are. And you know, FTR, I like them a lot too. It'll be good to see him get the belts back, but I don't know. I don't know if they really need them right now. Certainly no, they're mean, deserving,
1: well, I mean, but they're going to get them because they want them and they resigned. I
0: mean, presumably. obviously the, the play is the trios match with them and punk that's yeah. what i was hoping for that they'd save them they get punk back on board i actually i think in the predictions piece on sc scoops i picked the elite to retain because i was hoping maybe double mm-hmm. or nothing they get punk back in the fold that's your six-man title match that'd be far preferable yeah uh, i, I you mean know, we know they were going to work some trios matches before everything happened and the injury and everything but
1: yeah as far as far as match you know itself um You know, I I just didn't like the concept of the match, you know, a four way two teams winning battle royals to get in. Uh, I thought that kind of reeked. I I, I think the play was like what I would have done again. I'm not into transitioning the titles to FTR. Um, I I thought they shouldn't have rushed that acclaimed Jarrett Lethal rematch and they could have just done a rematch here because I thought Jarrett Lethal did a great job working with the acclaimed because the acclaimed still need to work with experienced teams. That was the problem with that. Why that acclaimed guns match fell apart is it's, it's kind of two greener teams, you know, that an AEW doesn't do house shows where they can flesh out like having a great match together. So they just threw green and the match fell apart. I thought the, uh, the, especially the first one that they had on dynamite in Seattle, Jarrett and lethal versus the acclaimed was tremendous. I thought, if you had not just rushed the rematch doing a rematch here, because the Jarrett lethal get good heat because people don't want to see them win the titles so badly mm-hmm. it, that uh, I, I think just doing a rematch between a claim and Jarrett lethal would, with the claim retaining obviously would have been the, w- w- the, sh- the, what I would have done in the tag division Yeah, here for this pay-per-view.
0: Yeah, that would have been preferable. I agree. So there it is. That's revolution 2023. Uh, closing thoughts, sir.
1: Pay per view over delivered. Um, you know I'll, I'll stand again by my comment that you know again I think wrestling is always better when you anticipate the show and it's great. But I'll mm-hmm. take the great show nevertheless. Um, it does have an argument to be AEW's second best pay per view ever. I would say the only one, uh, that was definitely better with an All Out twenty twenty one, which we were there together. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because again of the anticipation we had going into that show and and it delivered. But uh, let's let us let us you know. Here's to AEW having a better 2023 than they did a 2022, in my yeah. opinion. And I think the booking of this show allows for some interesting things moving forward. They put the right people over. That's what you can ask for. And um, yeah, hopefully, oh, hopefully uh, things continue to uh, rise and the TV gets better. And we we go back to looking forward to AEW pay per views going yes. in.
0: I was I was a little more high on this one going in than you were. Uh, I know Justin was as well. I can't say like the whole card excited me. I certainly didn't have an all out 2021 like feel for this one but No, I was pretty, I, mean, j- I was pretty jacked for the main event. And it's uh, an hour match. So it's a good chunk yeah. of it. Yeah.
1: I don't know. I I I have been very honest. I've not been fed into AEW since All Out.
0: Yeah. And was Jack Mark. I was jack for, for this one. I was jack for the Texas Death Match. Trios mm, kind of in the middle. I thought it would be a good match. Uh, but yeah, it, they delivered and then some. I think you can't really dispute that this was an A show. So good stuff out of AW. Fifty dollars well spent for me.
1: It was, you know, just in terms of a, sh- you know, eh, the build was uneven, and then like being better. Like it kind of, I saw people comparing to like the Forbidden Door show, which was like another mm-hmm. like A show. I thought where you know the build for that was was probably even more messy and worse. Yes. And, and I think this show was slightly better than that. So um and that's regarded as one of the best aew shows ever so yeah I, I think really this show probably does you know and again i like to go back and rewatch things um it probably does have an argument as the second best pay-per-view in company history and yeah, you can't complain I, about that
0: i think it's in the argument all out 2021 last year's revolution and this year's revolution probably like the top three so yeah Good, good stuff. Check it out if you missed it. Appreciate everyone joining us here on the live stream here on Monday morning. little change of pace here. I will get the podcast up immediately after we go off the air. Hope you enjoy it. If you're on the podcast feed, join the Facebook group. If you're watching, you see I'm wearing the Top Rope Nation hoodie. I wanted to point out our store. I don't pump our merchandise very much, but our store is 20% off for the next few days right now. Some really good deals on there. I think you can get a hoodie for less than $30, something like that. So if you go to topropenation.com, the merchandise link there will take you to our Spreadshirt store where it is 20% off for I think three or four more days. So check it out, patreon.comslash nation And I think Justin and I will be recording a show later this week. And so we will see you then, everybody. Have a great week and take care.